Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Giant Splash. I'm John Shea, the Chronicle's national baseball writer, and we welcome the Giants' new manager, Gabe Kapler, to the podcast. I caught up with Gabe in his office at Oracle Park right after he met Willie Mays. We discussed that meeting with the great Mays, along with all kinds of roster information, including his thoughts on some of the players recently signed. So, Gabe, you had a few precious moments with Willie Mays. Could you talk about that and what that was like and how that materialized? Sure. Uh, you know, having the opportunity to spend some time with Mr. Mays, and I'm going to address him like that because I, I feel like he's one of the few uh, baseball players alive that um, really command that level of respect. And it, I, it was um, a little bit surreal to walk into the office, sit down and spend time with him, ask him questions, have, me, have him ask me questions. Um, but definitely one of the more impactful experiences I've had since I've been in San Francisco. So what did you know about Willie growing up? Well, I think what what stands out to me most was my childhood collecting baseball cards. Mm. And, you know, obviously the the baseball card collecting period of time for me was like 1985 when I was 10 years old (laughs) through like 1995. Like that was my my formative years around learning about baseball history. But I knew about the old time baseball cards. And so the, the two that stood out to me were, I think it was 1952... Uh, Mickey Mantle rookie, which was about the same time that, that Willie Mays was was coming into the league. And I remember visually having that, the impact of, of those old early 50s mm-hmm. baseball mm-hmm. cards. Um, and certainly, like, I always thought of Willie Mays as one of the top three players that ever lived. Um, huh. So my my visual, of, of course, is of the catch. Like, I have that. Um, I can play that in my mind right now. <laughs> and then I, I see his face on, on that old uh, baseball card mm-hmm. and um, yeah I mean you know legend that's that's what comes mm-hmm. to mind when I think about Willie Mays what impressed you during your I think it was 40 minutes yeah I mean Farhan came in Scott came in but you were there the entire time yeah I guess I think what what impressed me is that you know Willie is he's he's challenging um, he likes to have real discussion mm-hmm. um, and I guess one thing that, that comes to mind is I want to get to know him better over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. I think that our relationship will develop the more I go in and sit down and have conversations with him. Um, uh, I, I think that it's really it would be really awesome to, to get to know him and have him get to know me. How could Willie Mays be utilized in spring training for starters? I mean, you go around Major League Baseball clubhouses you don't usually see Hall of Famers in there every day. And Willie Mays, pretty much every day during the regular season, will show up at the home game. And certainly every home game during the Cactus League uh, season in Scottsdale at the stadium, he will be there in the clubhouse pregame. So how how could you use it, utilize the resource that uh, not many others would have? I, I, I actually see this two ways. Um, first, having our players... 
understand that they can go and sit down and talk to Willie mm-hmm. at, at any point um, and, and ask him questions, which is something that was clearly important to him, is having people ask him questions. And, um, and then on the flip side, I think it's really valuable for Willie to have so it's obviously useful for our players to to sp- to sponge up Willie's knowledge and on the flip side I think Willie would get some inspiration out of having players um mine the knowledge that he has as a hitter as an outfielder and the history of the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. Well, growing up who was your guy? Who was your all-time favorite baseball player as a kid or even looking back to the history of the game who might you uh, respected the most. You said eighty-five to ninety-five were yeah. were the years you really studied and looked at and collected baseball cards. Yeah, and I would say uh, as a very young boy, yeah. um, it was kind of more the tail end of Pete Rose's mm. career. So Pete Rose comes to mind, um, and then you know my favorite all-time baseball player as a kid was was Fred McGriff. Wow. So uh, he was right in the heart of his career in those formative years for me. And a few other Toronto Blue Jays come to mind, like George Bell um, and Jesse Barfield were both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I liked the Toronto Blue Jays as a, as a boy. And that was because I was on a, a t-ball team where I had the powder blue jersey and the bird on the chest. And so I liked the Blue Jays. My dad would take me to, to Anaheim Stadium to watch the Blue Jays come in. And so I didn't spend as much time at Dodger Stadium, even though it was closer to my house. Um, and then Charles Barkley, I know this is not a, a basketball question, but Barkley was another guy that um, I love to watch play. I love the fact that he was six four and a half, and he out-rebounded the Monsters. He had so much heart um, and determination on the floor um, that I thought you know he was a, a pretty special and influential athlete in my mind. You mentioned Barkley. You mentioned McGriff, two of your favorites. They were a lot alike in that they both had a lot of heart. McGriff every single year, 30 homers, 100 RBIs. But to transition to uh, modern times, the 2020 Giants, the uh, roster is shaping up. Um, uh, Farhan Zaidi has made some moves. Uh, He hasn't given anyone multi-year contracts. He hasn't brought in any marquee free agents. He's uh, developed some depth at different levels. How are you seeing it playing out in general, uh, in particular, the pitching, because obviously you start every roster sure. with the pitching. Right. Well, I think the the guys that have been brought in, Drew Smiley, Kevin Gosman, um, still have tremendous upside and had an opportunity to be exposed to Drew Smiley last year. Um, he wasn't, he didn't have full distance from his Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. uh, but he had, you know, a lot of the arm strength had started to come back and he was bouncing back and, and was a durable force for us in Philadelphia last mm-hmm. year um, and he's, he's learning how to utilize his pitch mix and and be more and more effective every time he goes out the last start of the season against the Nationals I think he he struck out you can double check this I think he struck out 10 um, walked none and was I- incredibly effective mm-hmm. and I think that's the the upside the ceiling for Drew Smiley so that's that's pretty exciting and then you mentioned when we we, when you walked in the room, Nick Vincent, mm-hmm. uh, um, an NRI, but a guy that we had in Philadelphia also last year. Um, incredibly competitive, incredibly durable, um, high-caliber teammate. Um, exciting guy to have around right now. 
Nick Vincent in Philadelphia was much better than the Nick Vincent in San Francisco last year. I don't know what you guys did to him, but in September he was lights out with a sub two ERA. In San Francisco, I think he had one start as an opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Bochy didn't do a lot of that. Uh, he was introdu- introduced to it, and mm-hmm. I imagine we'll see more of that. But is he somebody who could fill that role, or what kind of role would you see out of Nick Benson? We valuable, flexible relievers, mm-hmm. and I think Nick is the kind of guy that could you know pitch in the eighth inning, could pitch in the sixth. He was the kind of guy who, in Philadelphia, if we had a pitcher make an early exit, felt very comfortable bringing him into the game, going through left-handed and right-handed batters, um, and I think anything we asked Nick to do, he'd be he'd be game for. Is is Arquedo and Samarja the only starters with confirmed rotation jobs at this point? Um, I think that you know Cueto and Shark at the top of the rotation, uh, Gosman and Smiley are both you know considered to be starting pitchers for us heading into spring training. And then I think there's a lot of competition for um, the the final spots. So I think. Webby, Beatty, um, Anderson, Suarez, all of those guys have have opportunity in front of them. So would they be battling for the final spot? Or are you saying the third and fourth spot might be up for grabs? Or are they set with the players that you mentioned? Smiley and Gosman both come into camp as, as starters for us. Okay. Um, okay. And as you mentioned, Cueto and, and Shark both both look to be at the top of the rotation. We'll have more of my conversation with Gabe Kapler right after this break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you need a closer? Or are you open to rotating that position or even using your best reliever in a higher leverage seventh or eighth inning situation? Will we see a stereotypical closer in 2020? I think it's a little too early to tell, John. I mean, I think we want to see what our our roster looks like heading into spring training. I think um, we've got a lot of possibilities right now for the sixth through the ninth, and we'll look to be creative to to find the best fits for for each Mm -hmm. Each situation. Now, Dubon seems to be a real wild card in here. He was really impressive uh, toward the end of last season at both short and second. But he's so athletic, he could do a lot of things, perhaps right. the outfield, in particular center field. Do you see him roaming around the diamond, or is he in the mix at second base with uh, Solano and uh, your newcomer, Yolmer Sanchez? We see it as, you know, comp- we see opportunities for playing time as as merit-based so um, we see Yomer and we see Dubon we see Solano as competing for playing time Mm -hmm. Um, we see some openings in the outfield and so for that reason we're excited about seeing what Dubon can do in the outfield as well and these are conversations that we'll continue to have with with all of our players Mm -hmm. are you looking uh, for the second baseman to be more defensive-minded or more hitting-minded? Because Sanchez comes as a, a reigning gold glover uh, from the White Sox, 
where he was wonderful on defense but maybe didn't provide the pop that you might be looking for with this lineup. We're excited about Sanchez's um, defensive contributions. He's also put in quite a bit of time with, with Justin V. Lee, mm-hmm. one of our major league hitting coaches. Uh, spent a good deal of time with him this past offseason working through swing adjustments. Um, those swing adjustments, Yomer has been pretty committed to. And we're excited to see what those changes produce in spring training and, and in the regular season. Well, speaking of the new coaches, have they at all met with or at least spoken with all the veterans, including you know, Buster Posey and Crawford and Belt and Longoria? There's been a lot of work done hmm. so far, John. So uh, Longoria and Crawford both have spent time with our, our hitting group in the cage in Scottsdale. Um, Buster and, and Samarjo have both been here in San Francisco. I've had an opportunity to talk to both of those guys. Uh, they're both working really hard to to put their bodies and their minds in the right position to have success in in 2020. Uh, but all of our coaches are making consistent contact with with our players, and um, that's that's true for me as well. I've had some really good conversations with with our players already. Pablo Sandoval is a Giant again. Yes, or at least he will be resuming his rehab with the Giants. Uh, uh, opening day seems unlikely. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's a he's a bit ahead of schedule. Okay. Um, but I think opening day is, is certainly <laughs> certainly ambitious, given yeah. the circumstances. Right. right. You met with him in Miami? Spent uh, some time with him in Miami. Early in the offseason? Did that uh, lead to the signing here, or was that the introductory uh, conversation you had? And what do you expect from him? Uh, it, it wasn't for sure that he was going to be back, but he does, as uh, Bruce Bochy has said many times, provide a lot of... Uh, personality and leadership and uh, and joy in the yeah. clubhouse sure so um, you know collaboration always leads to the signing of players mm-hmm. um, as far as Pablo's impact on on the clubhouse it, I don't think it can be discounted it's a it's a big thing he's mm-hmm. he keeps the mood light uh, he knows how to inspire his teammates and, and I actually like to give an example of that when I went out to Miami and I sat down with Suarez, Anderson, and Pablo, mm-hmm. uh, Pablo had a, a, a really mature perspective on how to handle that conversation. He knew when the right time was for to take control of the conversation, mm-hmm. but he also knew when to tee up Anderson mm-hmm. and Suarez so that I was able to get to know the three of them together at the same time. He's just a, he's a, a mature but also very lighthearted, um, joy-filled athlete. And then I'll say this, as when we came in with the Phillies, Pablo was dangerous coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. He was swinging a good bat, and he, we always had to account for the possibility that he was going to come up in a big situation, and we knew that he was going to be a grind of, of a, a plate appearance. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he, he had a good year last year with the bat, and I'm excited for, for him when he's fully healthy. Would that be May? Would that be June? Would that be July? Would that be August? Do we know? I don't think we have okay. an exact timeline yet. Um, I've I've seen videos of Pablo. He he shares them, and he's excited about his progress. So um, he's throwing fairly aggressively at this point, um, and you know obviously he's shared some videos of his swing too. His swing looks good. Mm-hmm. Looks to be in good shape. You mentioned Anderson as one of the three you met in Miami. Which mm-hmm. Anderson was that? Sean. Sean Anderson. Yes. Okay. And Tyler. Will Tyler be ready for the season? I don't know exactly yeah. where he is in his timeline right now, but I can get that information for mm-hmm. you. Okay. Anybody else, uh, Smiley, anybody else who 
is questionable for opening day? I think Smiley's healthy. Okay. Yeah, we, okay. We're, we're good to go there. Okay, okay. And Darren Ruff, another newcomer who spent the last three years in Korea, yeah. uh, hit some home runs, 80-plus. Uh, I don't know if that's the level of AAA or what, but 85 home runs or 85 home runs. Uh, first baseman slash corner outfielder, what, what do you see of him? You nailed it. Um, <laughs> he So in, in Korea, the numbers he put up were really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three years in a row were was a 900 OPS, and I think at least one of those years was over a thousand. So he was able to to do two things very well that we value: number one, hit for power, and number two, get on base. So um, and Darren, we had some exposure to Darren when I was in player development with the Dodgers many years ago. Okay. Um, and look, I mean. I'm not sure how much of the performance from Korea the last couple of years translates to Major League Baseball, but there's certainly reason for optimism. Where's this lineup going to get its power? Uh, This is a tougher ballpark to hit than most, if not all, and the numbers on the offensive side the last few years Mm -hmm. haven't been impressive on the power side. Where are you going to get your power? Our job as a Major League coaching staff is to take the pieces that we have in this room, the athletes that we that we have in this room and, and on our roster right now, and try to turn the dial up just a little bit. Um, we are a, a player development focused major league coaching staff. So one way for us to, to get to, to power in our lineup is to improve swings, improve swing decisions, um, and continue to, to make adjustments to, to get the most out of our, our very talented athletes. Um, I think there's another level and another gear in some of our veteran players, and I think that uh, we're going to do everything necessary to develop the the young players that are still coming into their own. And I think Yastrzemski, Dubon, um, Jalen Davis, um, Dickerson, like these are Slater. All of these guys have have some pretty high ceilings. You have a relationship with Kevin Pillar. Yeah, we uh, we both come from the same part of Southern yeah. California. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've stayed in touch over the years. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a free agent. Yes. Is, um, Farhan told me that before spring training, he's expecting one or two more outfielders in the mix to bring in. Sure. And I'm wondering if uh, you might shed any light on whether uh, he would be somebody you'd like to pursue or have... Uh, you know, I know this isn't you know part of yeah. part of your gig. You know, you manage the team and right. he brings the players in. But with knowing your relationship with other players who have come in, uh, let me drop that name. Yeah. So first, I'd say I, I respect the work and the job that Farhan and Scott Harris, our our GM, have to do, which is to decide on on what the roster is going to look like. And it's my job to be a, a thought partner with them on those decisions but then also to fully support and and get the most out of the players that come into the clubhouse and are on our major league roster rather than speaking to individuals i can speak to characteristics that i value um i i I value and respect hard play gritty play um fiery play uh, guys that are tough and that are going to scratch and claw and grind for every possible advantage so uh, rather than speak to any one individual, I can mm-hmm. tell you that the char- characteristics I value are those. Mm-hmm. Understood. S- some of the characteristics that sure. I value are those. Yeah. Maybe the last thing would be, 
what could you tell Giant fans about the 2020 Giants that would make them uh, encouraged after three straight losing seasons here? Yeah, I think the thing that comes to mind immediately is when teams get on their charters to fly back to their home cities after playing a three-game series in San Francisco, we expect for them to be exhausted because of our grind, our hustle, our determination, and our fight. So I think that's a brand of baseball that Giants fans can get on board with and one that our clubhouse, our players, our, our staff will be proud to play. And I think that's an, that's an entertaining brand of Major League Baseball. Well, good enough. Thank you very much, Gabe. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Giant Splash. We'll have more podcasts leading up to spring training and throughout training camp. Giant Splash is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is editor-in-chief. Follow me on Twitter at Hank Schulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com. Support Giant Splash and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions available. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.